0: Not bad at all.
1: Excellent. Excellent.
0: So before we get started, uh, let me take a minute, please, to remind you all that the Ivy Sports podcast feed is now available on iTunes, Spotify, and Anchor. We would greatly appreciate it if you would subscribe to the podcast network. We'd also really appreciate it if you would rate and review it. Please be kind, five stars, kind reviews. You can follow IB sports on Twitter, Instagram, and we also have a Facebook group with over 4,000 members as well as a premium membership with over 4,000 members in the group. The premium membership allows you to have automatic posts without going through admin, uh, allows you to levy fines, uh, get free gambling advice from Alan, our gambling guru, and much, much more. But Again, this week we're going to talk about Raw and SmackDown and Backlash, which I actually, if you listen to my podcast from Monday, I thought it was a really good pay-per-view. But what everybody was talking about going into Backlash, which was kind of interesting, and I don't know if that was on purpose by WWE or not, but everybody was talking about the IC title, the final match, Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles. It was hyped up for weeks. I will say it showed, I think, a little bit the power of Fox, that they had that on SmackDown and not at the pay-per-view backlash. I was under the assumption that it would be then, and then I thought uh, about two weeks ago, I actually thought the finals was going to be two weeks ago, but then when I found out it was going to be two days before, it really surprised me, but they had one of the better television matches I can remember The only one in recent memory, and I mean recent in the last like 20 years, that I can think of was Shawn Michaels versus John Cena. That was after, right after the WrestleMania match. I believe that was WrestleMania 23. Don't quote me on that. But what did you think about this match just overall, and do you think the right guy won it?
1: I thought this was one of the most fantastic uh, intercontinental title matches i have seen in years. Um, It was definitely up there. I mean – went through gosh at least a three four commercial breaks um, it had everything that you wanted uh, for wrestling purists I, I even said to my girlfriend they made this match for people like me who really appreciate you know that mid card title and and the grueling nature of like a lot of those titles, he was giving it a standing O in in my bedroom when I was watching that. I thought it was amazing. I'm a little disappointed that AJ won because personally I was hoping for Daniel and that he would, you know, be that fighting champion to build the title back up to where where it should be. And I just don't know how AJ is going to play it out. You know, AJ is fantastic, and that match just kind of reminded me of how great he really is. But you know, I hope they get back to him winning a lot more of his matches cleanly because he really is as phenomenal as he boasts.
0: He's the face that runs the place, once again. Uh, and I will tell you one thing that I am a little worried about, and I hope WWE's a little worried about this, is you have somebody like AJ, AJ Styles now as the IC champ. He had a phenomenal run as world champion. I guess it's now been like two, three years ago. Took on all comers. You on the same show, you got Braun Strowman, who, I mean, if we're being honest, his, you know, first title reign is is not going great. And I'm not blaming him because, you know, after the Goldberg win, they really haven't done much with him other than the Bray Wyatt was interesting. And then, you know, Bray had to take time off because he just had a baby and with COVID going on. So I'm assuming they were going to continue that feud and they weren't able to, but, I would hope WWE's a little concerned that the IC belt may become the main belt on that show, especially with it being a much older belt. And you got all these past champions and cause that is technically the universal championship, correct? Which is the new world championship on the SmackDown brand.
1: Yeah, I believe you're right about that. And I hope that, you know, that, you know, you're wrong about that. And that AJ <laughs> actually does, um, wind up being a really good heel champion still building uh, the worth of that title.
0: The, uh, cause that, that was the other thing I was going to say. is Go ahead. You know, No, you're good. The, Daniel mm-hmm. Bryan, I actually thought should win only because if they want to build this up, that I've always felt like you need a face champion because in WWE, typically heels champions are going to win by cheating nefarious ways, you know, running away from challenges, whatever you want to call it. And, not only don't I hope they do that for the prestige of the title, but I hope they don't do that for AJ Styles because he's so much better than that kind of heel. And, you know, we've seen a lot of heel monster champs, Mm -hmm. but I really can't remember that many heel just, you know, smaller guys that were just better than you. You know, I go back to Seth Rollins and the way they had him as a heel the first time when he was champion. And it was really disappointing because he was this white hot guy on the, you know, the shield and he turned heel, and he was red hot, and he was so good that I thought they could have, you know, had him win a lot of matches without cheating and running and trying to do everything he could to get over. And I just hope that's not what we're leading to here with AJ Styles. Because if so it's going to disappoint me even more so that it wasn't Daniel Bryan. And a lot of that, as RC always says, is what I would want to happen, not necessarily the right thing to happen.
1: Yeah, totally. I'm with you there. So, the New Day was the latest tag team to lose a non-title match to Shinsuke and Cesaro. Now, that makes in the last two weeks that the, with the women's tag team champions, Raw, and uh, now the SmackDown tag champions, all have lost non-title matches. With AEW making their tag division deeper, do you have any hope that WWE will try to invigorate the tag team divisions?
0: I can't say I do right now. And... I I was thinking about the other day. I don't know if on Raw and SmackDown, and I know they've lost some guys due to cuts. I'm assuming they're going to bring them back. But maybe they need to do with the men's title what they've done with the women's because it's been one of the more interesting weeks in the women's tag title picture that I can remember where Sasha and Bailey won the titles on SmackDown, right? It was on SmackDown, right? Yeah. Yes. So then they defended them at the pay-per-view. And the next thing you know, they're on NXT defending them again. And if WWE is going to constantly having tag teams lose to put over singles guys that are trying to push, which let's be honest, that's what's been happening. I think this, I guess, was, I hope they're setting up a Cesaro Shinsuke versus New Day feud, but I just don't understand why you have to have a loss right off the bat to start that. To me, like, I mean, look at what AEW is doing right now. And again, not to, I'm not one of these people that AEW does is good, WWE is bad, but AEW is really good about having you know rankings, number one contenders matches, to where the tag champs don't have to lose. I mean, I've seen Omega and Hangman. I wish they would have fought more, but they're not losing. And just to have the New Day lose, the Street Profits lose, and Bailey and Sasha did lose in that triple threat match on Raw now two weeks ago, it, it just makes no sense and you would think that, again, the tag team division would be something you're relying on right now because tag matches typically last a little bit longer, especially on TV. And they're trying to fill time in this, you know, crowdless universe that we're in, but instead they seem not to care about.
1: Yeah, no, they, they really don't. And I think part of this is due to the, uh, the forgotten sons uh, scandal if you would, which is kind of a shame because those guys really did come in hot, and they, I, I was actually looking forward to them in the new day getting it on. But what they're doing right now with Cesaro and Shinsuke, I'm okay with. But it's like build it up a little better. Uh, I get it that you know it's a last minute thing, and you're kind of trying to uh, turn something from nothing, considering what's happening. But we do need a little more uh, build and a little more depth to our tag division in WWE. Like you said, you know, AEW is doing a fantastic job not only keeping tag teams uh, on television, making their rankings worthwhile, and these guys are really all, you can see it, kind of clamoring for a shot.
0: What happened with uh, The Forgotten
1: I, I I don't know. It was something... Uh, Along, in the political climate, he had said something a, a little too far to the right, and, and um, they just kind of pulled him from TV. The other, the other two guys had to uh, socially distance themselves from him, like on social media. So we're still trying to figure out where the other two guys are going to land out of all this.
0: You know, was he living the gimmick, or was this like his actual views?
1: I don't know. That's the problem.
0: And I mean, because, again, we've talked about this, actually, I think it was last week, maybe two weeks ago, that there's a lot of storylines. Like, I didn't like the Jeff Hardy Seamus. I thought it was crazy. I didn't even mention what they did on SmackDown on Friday. But, like, I do wish in some ways we would, you know, they would use the universe to that. And it's like, all you'd have to do is prepare a statement beforehand to where somebody puts something like this on social media and it's about their character and when they go into outrage, you can say, you know, like we already had this memo written up. It was sent out that, hey, he, we gave him permission to send this out. It's all part of a work. It's all to get people mad.
1: Right. And
0: that may, you know, be something that wrestling needs to do in the future.
1: Especially since, you know, the line has been kind of blurred with what we know nowadays.
0: Absolutely. I think the best, you know, swerves as of late has been when the fans think they know what's coming and then WWE goes the other direction.
1: mm Totally agree with you there So Mustafa Ali Was very quietly moved To Raw Now I don't really feel a need To talk about that But what interests me Is the whole hacker series Because I Probably like you was pretty sure It was Ali And now that it's not him Who do you possibly think it could be Because I personally don't have a clue I
0: have no idea. I had put all my eggs in the, it's the Ollie is the hacker. I was all excited because I thought he would be a perfect character for it. You know, we talk all the time. He's another guy that it's like great wrestler, great look, but it's like, I don't really care. You know I mean? He's never done anything on the mic or anything that's made me care. And this would be so cool because he really wouldn't have to do a lot of talking. They could do vignettes, keep doing what you're doing and just reveal him. And he's the hacker. And now I don't know. And what scares me is I don't even know if WWE knows who's it's going to be. And that's, what's really scary. Cause I mean, it could end up being Hornswoggle for all we know in a couple of weeks.
1: Oh Jesus. And Lord knows, but I I'm, I'm going to trust in Bruce Pritchard to not have something that idiotic uh, as a punchline to that story.
0: So even though I did that, podcast on Monday on Backlash. I did about a 25-minute uh, solo review just of what I thought of the pay-per-view. I really want to get your thoughts on I know we talked about it a little bit uh, off-air, but I'd like to get it on-air officially. Um, what what were just your overall thoughts of that pay-per-view?
1: Um, I rather enjoyed it. Um, a couple of the Decisions I wasn't all that thrilled with, um, especially considering uh, like that Oscar and Nia Jax. um, I was kind of expecting Oscar to kind of just plow through that one and so that we can move to what the next thing is going to be. Um, But all in all, I thought it was a pretty decently done uh, pay-per-view. That cinematic match was kind of fresh to me and you know it. and but it, it kind of got a little weird to me and um it's just the character that they're turning to Zawa into especially um, the way he was kind of overacting on raw the, the following night just kind of was just like uh like y- you had you had it going good you had the super you had the super big ninja uh, And then you have him acting like a Dragon Ball Z villain. Like, what the heck? I
0: I agree with you that it was weird, but we have a doormat that me and my wife ordered that when you come to our house, it says the good kind of weird people live here. I thought that was the good kind of weird. And I actually have to give them credit because I hated all the stuff that they did building up, you know, all those.
1: Mm, And and we didn't
0: know what they were doing, but if they were going to do this kind of match and have all these callbacks and, you know, show, you know, clips of it and stuff. I got to give them credit. Like, it made sense, and it was a cohesive story, which is something that I get mad about WWE all the time about, was that it kind of made sense from beginning to end. What's really interesting to see is going to be what's going to happen with these two teams going forward, because are they, like, now, you know, kind of buddies, or are they going to go right back into fighting?
1: Yeah, they do kind of seem like they're now BFFs, but, you know, we do still need resolve as to who's really the better team out of this, at least right now.
0: So we talked about AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan's match and how great it was, and, you know, you said one of the best matches in forever. I I would have said if it would have been a podcast between Friday and Sunday, the best match I've seen in years. And then I'm going to be honest, and again, this might, again, be a hot take or an unpopular opinion. I thought Edge and Randy Orton's match was better. Uh, Not necessarily just like straight up in the ring, you know, wrestling move for wrestling move. But I thought the psychology and the story that it told was just so fantastic. And that made it a little bit better than Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles, and not to mention just the pressure. I mean, they they, they saddled these guys with, hey, you're going to have to go out and wrestle a match. that We're going to advertise as the greatest wrestling match ever, and we're going to put it on T-shirts with like the five, six greatest matches that pretty much everybody agrees on, and they still went out and tore the place down. What did you think about that match? Am I overreacting?
1: Um, I don't think it's so much an overreaction. For me, it was my problem was is that I was uh, eye-rolling my way into it just because of the stupid billing of it. The guys delivered for all intents and purposes, though, man. It was... The, the story really was phenomenal in the way that it turned out. And uh when it come to find out that Edge wound up injuring himself during the course of that match to boot is just absolutely amazing and i i actually tried to re uh, watch it to see where it happened and i'm not i don't think i pinpointed exactly when it happened
0: so i i have the reason for that and this is going to really upset you this was like the most depressing thing i've ever heard i was listening to uh david shoemaker's wrestling podcast the mass man today apparently edge injured himself in a reshoot of a part of the match so the match was done They called Uh, him back days later, and he hurt himself in a uh, reshoot. And that is why you can't tell when he got hurt. Is that not sickening?
1: Oh, man, that's terrible. That's awful.
0: (laughs) Oh, it was bad. So one other thing before we move on from this, I I talked about on the podcast, the recap I did, I actually love the way they pumped in the crowd I couldn't tell if they did it for all matches and just turned it up for the Randy Orton edge match, or if it was just for the Randy Orton edge match, but you know, they had cheering, they had chants, they had claps, they had booze. Did it bother you? Because I actually enjoyed it more than what we have been of just kind of silence.
1: Actually, no, I actually did rather enjoy it. And um, after I had kind of heard about this, when I had rewatched it, I'm like, Oh, and especially that's the only time that it was really prevalent to me. So I was actually quite all right with it. Um, it, And it's necessary. It's not something that they would be able to pull off like on, like you said, on a a TV, on one of the uh, TV shows, because even so, we don't get necessarily that kind of involvement, even when we do have a full crowd.
0: Yeah, I really liked it. also, you got to give them credit that they obviously were coaching the, you know, what is it, the talent, I guess is what they're calling the guys that have to stand there that are see, yes. you know, developmental. Because, man, when they were clapping, you know, and the claps got loud, they were clapping. When they were cheering, you could hear them screaming. When they were booing, you could see them booing. So they kind of knew or they added it in after to where that way it matched up I thought that was really good. And it was interesting when me and Alan did the gambling podcast this week. They're doing this in like German soccer leagues where they had their first soccer games and, you know, crowdless, you know, obviously events. Mm-hmm. And it was weird and and the fans did not like it. So now they've got recordings of past games with the chants and everything nice. else and the cheers. And I mean, you got to do what you got to do here because there is some real truth that if you, you've, you know, watch something one way your entire life, and then, you know, all of a sudden it's this different. That was kind of why we were so depressed the first, you know, few weeks we did the podcast when wrestling went to these, you know, crowdless shows and stuff, because it was just so weird to see and hard for people to get behind.
1: Absolutely.
0: So on Monday Night Raw, and actually before we get to Monday Night Raw, there was some big news. I believe it was last week that it was announced. Paul Heyman was demoted from his role. We know he had basically been running Raw. It's amazing how quickly Vince and WWE goes through these guys. I mean, I don't even think it's been a year since it was announced that Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman would be running Raw and SmackDown. Bischoff, we know, didn't last but like maybe a month. Uh, Heyman made it almost a year. They are putting Bruce Prichard in his uh, place, who is, you know, obviously a lifelong friend of Vince. has worked in the company for forever. has done very well on his own. Does this mean anything to you? Do you think this will be a big difference in Raw moving forward?
1: Um, It doesn't mean that much to me, but I know how things are playing out just to see if there's any uh, changes, you know, by the eye test at least.
0: What scares me a little is the fact that, I mean, Raw has not been – great consistently i'll I'll be the first to say that i think smackdown like for the last year actually has been the better show but it has an like unfair advantage it only has to fill two hours every week and when you have to fill an extra hour like that's a burden i mean i couldn't imagine trying to fill three hours every week of okay who are we going to put on here what are we going to do and what they have done a really good job of though is they're building up you know young superstars i mean look at drew mcintyre who was really nowhere when Paul Heyman took over Raw. He had had the big feud with Roman and everything almost two years ago, I believe, and had kind of been floundering. And then, you know, Paul kind of built him up overall. First, as kind of just this badass assassin, not really a heel or a face. Then he obviously won at Rumble. They just immediately turned him face. And then, unfortunately for him, you know, we went into the COVID world, and, you know, he didn't really get his moment. The crowd didn't really truly embrace him. But I mean, I also look at guys like Alistair Black, you look at the Theories, the Garzas, you know, all these young guys that they are promoting over and over and over again on the show. And I am nervous that Bruce Pritchard has stayed in WWE a long time because he knows how to kiss that brass ring mm. and the boss man. And I'm just worried that's just gonna mean basically Vince is back running, you know, not only the company, but again the shows on a day to day basis again.
1: Yeah, yeah let's really hope it doesn't come to that and you did a strong point about having to fill that extra hour on top of that with most of your major talent where they are really kind of uh heavy on the youth right now keeps it going together and get some proper stories building So Randy Orton in Open Raw, talking about how his win over Edge and how with his injury he'll never be the same, it made him feel like the legend killer again. Christian comes down to defend Edge only for Orton to appear and call him jealous of Edge and knows what he truly wanted. One more match. Christian would agree and then they would main event in an unsanctioned match as it to be begin, Ric Flair appears, gives Christian a low blow, leading to a Randy Orton punt of victory and Christian being stretchered off. Where does Randy go from this point?
0: Man, I have no idea now. Because uh, it, it sure did seem like when he won at the pay per view, you know that was part of the plan. They each had a win. Kind of surprisingly, Edge won the you know the more unsanctioned match. Randy run the more traditional wrestling match and by Christian getting involved I I can only assume this was in the the works and especially because they taped this stuff and the fact that it was on a reshoot it would make sense that they had this Christian segment you know it was already planned out this is where they were going it was going to continue the Edge Orton feud kind of like how they brought in Edge's wife after the last you know win but I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I am loving this Randy Orton run so much that I hope they, you know, just shoot him straight to the top and let him face Drew McIntyre. It's like you built Randy Orton back up. He is back hot. He is back as the guy. And so you got two things you can do now. You can either give him the belt if that's what you really want and you don't think Drew McIntyre is, you know, an answer long term, which I would disagree with, but, you know, that's a decision they can make. Or what is going to build up Drew McIntyre more – Than putting him over Randy Orton in two, three straight, you know, pay-per-view matches. And that's how you solidify somebody. They have to beat big dang guys. I mean, you look at, and I had forgot about this when Stone Cold won the belt at WrestleMania 14 against HBK after that long run for the title, his next opponents were Kane, uh, Mick Foley, and then the Undertaker. And it's like, he won all three of those. It's like, that's how you solidify your first title win is by putting them over the main guys in the company for the top prize. And if that's what you want to do for McIntyre, he's gone over Rollins, put him over you know, Orton, and then hopefully Edge comes back by the time that feud's over. Orton and Edge is reunited. There you go.
1: Yeah, and that would make perfect sense. I'm also loving uh, this reinvigorated Randy Orton. It's just the, when he's at peak heel – There's really not many better, and I love seeing him back in this position like this. And so I would be okay with him um, being in the title picture because there aren't any real legends left on Raw for him to kill. So let's put him in the big picture, and I would agree with keeping Drew McIntyre because I'm loving his title reign.
0: And, you know, it's hard to believe this because Randy Orton came out on Twitter – I think it was last week, you know, he's been in WWE for 20 years, basically been in the top of the promotion for 20 years, said he'd like to wrestle for 10 more years and then retire, meaning he would have basically 30 years at the top of the WWE card. And it's been really amazing to see him sort of continue to, you know, perfect his craft because he continues to improve in the ring. I get a little upset. There's somebody in the team turnbuckle Facebook group and I apologize because I don't remember which one, but they're constantly talking about how Randy Orton can't wrestle. And I'm like, what yeah, have you been I... watching for the last decade? Like, are you kidding me? Like, Randy Orton can't wrestle? Like, yeah, he needs the right opponent, but that's most guys. Not, there's, not, there's very few, you know, Shawn Michaels and AJ Styles that you can just put in the ring with whoever. And, you know, Triple H is the same way where it's like against the right opponents, he's unbelievable. Against others, it's okay. And that's the way Orton is, but even more impressive on the mic. I mean, his mic work over the last month is, I think, the best he's ever done. And he had the stretch where he was tormenting Triple H and Stephanie, which was great leading up to their Mania match. He had the great run against Cena and Daniel Bryan here recently. But, I mean, his mic work, and, again, even on the beginning of this one, you know, Christian's out there, he comes out and has a nerve to say, I know what this is about. This isn't me about maybe ending your buddy's career. It's about the fact that you're jealous that Edge was better than you, and you just want one more match too. And it's just like that's great mic work,
1: and just just pulled Christian right back in, which was wonderful. I mean, the dude knows how to tell a story. He knows how to do, like even when the build up to the the prior match where we had said you know cheat was just a. a Uh, decoration there because give those to a mic and even being able to do it with not speaking and just like the looks and such these guys just know how to do it especially randy orton so i just also disagree with whoever was said that he's not great
0: so one of the things that you mentioned that you did not enjoy from the pay-per-view and I, i am also just dumbfounded by this decision was You know, Asuka did not get the win at the pay-per-view against Nia Jax. They had the double count out. Then I saw that they were gonna fight again on Raw, and I go, okay, so this kind of makes sense. They were just prolonging it. She's gonna go over, hopefully, (laughs) in front of a bigger crowd. I hope Mm -hmm. it's a bigger crowd than for a pay-per-view on Mm -hmm. a paying channel. And then they again kind of protect Nia Jax and have this, you know, first weird thing where I guess Asuka did technically have her foot under the rope. It was kind of a, a, I don't know if it was a botch or a misplaced spot. It just looked really weird. And then moments later, she kind of had this sneak attack roll up where I didn't even notice that the ref counted that fast. And then the WWE is the one who points out that, oh, it was a fast pin and they're they're posting uh, stuff on social media calling it the fastest hand in the West. And I don't get it. Like, why are you protecting Nia Jax when you have Asuka who had all this momentum after she won the briefcase, it ended up being the belt. She had that wonderful moment with Becky Lynch. And then since then, like in her first big feud, just like what I was talking about with Stone Cold, now you're going to push her down again and make her have all these like, you know, non-wins or wins with a butt. I don't get that. Do you?
1: No, not at all. Like, I, you and I were completely geared towards this going to be Asuka and Charlotte for the most part. Um, especially with the way that Asuka has been, you know, catching her uh, in segments and in the backstage. She's always, you know, kicking, knocking her out real easily. So the fact that they're dragging this out a couple of weeks also doesn't make any sense to me. You know, Asuka deserves better than that.
0: And let's hope they don't – because I'm really fearful we're going to end up with Charlotte in a triple threat match with these two real soon and Charlotte pinning Nia Jax to win the belt. I just – I can see it coming from a mile away.
1: Oh, man. I hope not. I hope not. This is – this next segment, I definitely want to shout you out because I had meant to uh, put a video together real quickly behind when you had did the uh, backlash – um, recap, and you had called it, and I want to shout you out on that, with MVP trying to bring Apollo Cruz into his stable with Bobby Lashley. I would love that because just like you had said on the recap, Apollo Cruz hasn't given me much to really desire for him outside of his in-ring work. But every time you get on the mic or on some sort of commentary, I'm ready to go to sleep. So putting him with uh, MVP and maybe turning him heel, that I would be interested in.
0: It's to me a no-brainer. I mean, he's proven he can't talk. I mean, I start. I actually went back and watched some of his NXT stuff uh, I guess it was about two weeks ago, because I felt kind of bad that I kept saying, you know, the guy's never been interesting. He wasn't interesting in NXT either. He was phenomenal in the ring, but he he said and did nothing outside of the ring or in the ring with a microphone in his hand that was interesting. We just saw this with Bobby Lashley, who has kind of floundered since he was originally reintroduced until he was po- uh, paired up with MVP. And he's got a lot of support. I, I've seen a lot of people that are behind this push to Bobby Lashley. So why not go ahead and put Apollo Crews with him? Not to mention, it makes sense. These guys are very similar built. They're both physical specimen. They're both tremendous athletes. Like, all of a sudden, MVP's got a crew that, like, you know, all of a sudden, they're the one. It would make a lot more sense for these guys to be running roughhouse and being a ton of matches on Raw than no offense and Selena's boys. Like, these guys are actually intimidating.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And could you imagine if he had built the full stable now? Not that I could see it because, you know, the street profits are just too good as face. Could could you imagine say they lose the tag titles to the Viking Raiders and then MVP just catches them at the right time? That would be just phenomenal to to have them build a, a stable, two solo guys, a tag team and all just phenomenal in-ring workers.
0: I, th- I think it would be wonderful. And one more thing on Bobby Lashley, the and I know this is going to make a lot of people really sad, but Bobby Lashley and Lana are officially split up on television. Uh, Rusev is smiling somewhere. It's Rusev Day somewhere. Uh, they had a segment on Monday where it really was not very good, but basically what it was was MVP – and last year in the ring, Lana came down. They're arguing over whose fault it was that he lost the match. I mean, it was honestly Lana's. And uh, Lashley interrupted and said, I want a divorce. So I don't even know why I'm asking you this, but is this the right call?
1: Yes, yes, yes. Gosh, every time I see Lana on screen, I was ready to just fast forward or press mute. So actually what had happened afterwards was the first time I was actually interested in hearing anything that came out of Lana's mouth in months.
0: I just hope this is the end of it. And, and they messed up with Lana. I really think they did because her and Rusev were wonderful. They split them up. It made sense at the time, but then they kind of wasted Rusev's face push So they wasted a great heel pairing. I mean, those two got heat, like real heat. And Russo was intimidating. And just her and Lashley never worked because for, I don't know about you, but for me, anytime I see Lana, I automatically think Lana and Russo because not only were, you know, we introduced to them on screen, we also know off screen they're married and together. And it's just kind of awkward to see her like making out with a dude when it's like, you know, that dude's, her husband is like behind stage going, what the hell?
1: Yeah, I never really dug uh, using that kind of angle, especially if you guys are an actual pair. I wouldn't be able to uh, handle just watching my girl doing that. I don't care if it's (laughs) fake or not.
0: (laughs) Thrilled to me, damn it.
1: Thank you. (laughs) So Dominic Mysterio attacks Seth Rollins during the promo uh, at Rey Mysterio. Are we heading to Dominic debuting against the Monday Night Messiah?
0: I hope it's not a singles match of Dominic debuting against Seth Rollins because I mean, you know, I know nepotism is strong and, you know, the wrestling world, I mean, we've seen it over and over again. Don't get me wrong, any, you know, the Charlotte Flairs and those type of people to make it, you you have the name obviously which helps, but you also have to be really good to like truly be a star, but you do get opportunities at first, though, if people would. And this just feels like that they have this guy that has this name. He's the son of a legend. Let's introduce him. I'm hoping this leads to a Dominic and Rey Mysterio against Seth Rollins and, you know, Buddy Murphy or, you know, some kind of tag team combo of the Disciples with Seth because. It, <laughs> I could care less about Dominic versus Seth. And what's more interesting is like, I actually care about this Ray Mysterio, Seth Rollins feud. And we'd love to see these two guys have a singles match. And I just hope, cause I do have a little bit of a worry that it's going to leak. Cause it seems to every like 10 years with Ray Mysterio to a mask versus hair match. And next thing you know, Seth Rollins is going to be running around with a buzzed head.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would be all right with that. Um, just, uh, I'm not certain what's going to happen with this Dominic thing. Um, I too would hope that it's more of a, a father son thing, or if Ray can't come back, maybe Alistair Black with him with one of you know versus one of the disciples or something. But I, yeah, I'm not as interested. Although I can say between the last time we saw him in the ring when uh, he had gotten involved during the Brock Lesnar the short Brock Lesnar thing. He does look a little better, and he's definitely been working. I'm just not really uh, vested into it either way, though.
0: And this is going to sound wrong, because it's no disrespect to Rey Mysterio. It's no disrespect to his son. They are so far below, uh, below the like work and level that Seth Rollins is at right now that like this dude may be doing the best work he's ever done. And you're going to saddle him with like a 48 year old, you know, no offense, but has been, he was, he was better, you know, years before than he is going to be now and going forward. And his son who's never even wrestled in front of a a big crowd. Like, come on, y'all do better. Like, I mean, Seth, he's on fire. Like there's other guys, like debut one of the NXT dudes who people are behind, you know, to come attack them. It's just like, to me, there's so many other ways they could go. And, you know, I'm guilty of saying I think Seth Rollins is the best wrestler in the world right now. I'll stand by it. Like, his work has been phenomenal in 2020. But this just feels like a waste of his talent. And it's not building up any new people. And it definitely doesn't need to be dominant freaking Mysterio when you have all these guys in NXT. I mean, you're bringing up Matt Riddle. Let Matt Riddle attack, you know, Seth Rollins. That would be more interesting to me than this.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, and considering that Rollins is still in the middle of building his stable, and, and I can't disagree with your um, assessment of him being the best because, you know, for the, for the longest time, I was uh, the biggest Chris Jericho mark that there is. But yeah, it is Seth Rollins right now. It totally is. So he deserves a, a lot better than what he's getting right now.
0: Is there anything else from Raw, SmackDown, or the pay-per-view that I missed you want to talk about?
1: No, nothing in particular.
0: All right. So I think that is going to conclude our Raw and SmackDown Team Turnbuckle edition. Uh, Just one more time, I want to remind everyone that uh, this podcast, the Team Turnbuckle podcast, is available on the IB Sports podcast feed. Please be sure to subscribe to the IB sports podcast feed. It's available on anchor, iTunes, Spotify, rate and review on iTunes. We'd really appreciate that. Be sure to follow IB sports on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We have a team turnbuckle group uh, in Facebook that we'd love if you join. If you want to reach out to that, all you got to do is search team turnbuckle, send an invite. One of us will accept it. Rhino, you got anything you want to plug before we get out of here?
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, 20, 000, uh, our company is aiming for 20,000 families in 20,000 homes in 2020. We're halfway through the year, but you know, still steadily chugging away towards our goal. If you need any help with your credit repair, uh, anything on your credit report, get at me, Ron L. Tinsley, Facebook, Instagram. I do have a business page as well.
0: And I just want to say that me and uh, my man Alan did do a backdoor cover. That's the IB Sports uh, Weekly Gambling Podcast on the RBC Heritage. And boy, did I have a for good first day! I've got Victor Hovland; he's only one back. I have him at sixty-six to one to win the tournament. So obviously, if that's a winner, that's really good. I gave you Webb Simpson, who is one back at thirty to one to win the tournament. And Matt Naismith is five under in the top 10 right now. I gave you him at 20 to one to top 10. So uh, we're starting off right where we left off when golf ended. We like that. We like giving winners. That makes people want to listen to the podcast. So, but we will be back to talk about an excellent, and I mean excellent edition of both AEW and NXT. I do not remember since the Raw and Nitro days, a better like dual main event where I was like, man, which one do I want to flip back and forth to? And it says a lot about the state of women's wrestling that I ended up the most. And at the end, watching Bailey and Sasha, uh, you know, over La Champion, uh, which says a lot in today's world of wrestling and just, you know, what women wrestling has done as a whole.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um The evolution is still on its way. Um, I was one of those naysayers to say that what are they going to do with the women, uh, especially after pulling Bianca? uh, Foot in mouth.
0: Well, but they they still screwed up with Bianca. You were right about that. But, uh, (laughs) no, there's a lot of great stuff in women's wrestling right now. I think, honestly, the women's division is better than the men's right now in WWE. Uh, both with the champions, the the challengers. It's just more interesting. And a lot of it's because it's fresher faces that have not been involved in feuds for a long time, but still it's great work and those ladies kill it. So, but uh, for my main man, Ron L, Keith Fleming, this has been another edition of the Team Dernbuckwood podcast. And we will see you soon with the AEW NXT. This was a Raw and SmackDown edition. We'll see you guys.